When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of the Golf Unfiltered podcast is brought to you by WorldwideGolfShops.com. Be sure to go out to WorldwideGolfShops.com for all of your equipment, apparel, and accessory needs. They've even got training aids. They've got all the great stuff from all the brands that you hear on our podcast every week. So once again, that is WorldwideGolfShops.com. You're listening to the Golf Unfiltered podcast, your source for in-depth interviews with the biggest names, brands, and personalities in golf. Our mission, to keep you informed and help you enjoy the game even more. And now, the owner and host of the Golf Unfiltered podcast, Adam Fonseca. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the show. This is your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can find us all over social media at GolfUnfiltered. Send me an email, adam at GolfUnfiltered.com. And hello to our friends over at TheHackersParadise.com. As you guys know, we are part of their podcast network, along with two additional great podcasts that you should be listening to, including Off Course and Range Days. Be sure to find those all over Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as TheHackersParadise.com. Hello to our friends, of course, over at Cleveland, Srixon, and Zegzio. I hope you guys enjoyed last week's show with Brian Schelke, uh, Director of Marketing over there at Cleveland, Srixon, and Zegzio, talking about the incredible new Cleveland RTX Zipcore wedges. Hope you enjoyed it. Let me know your feedback. Today, folks, we got a long one. We got a show with two friends of mine, Chris McEwen and Bill Bush, two guys that are also in the golf media game. We talk a lot about not only what they do, but also how the landscape of the conversation around golf has changed. And uh, we get into that pretty deep, so you'll know what we're talking about there. But one of the things that the three of us have talked about uh, when we're not recording a podcast is really just, you know, will our view of the game change or has it changed already as a result of everything that's going on in the world, you know, especially uh, COVID. And so Bill, Chris, and I, uh, we go back and forth in a number of topics. We go in a lot of different directions here as we normally do when we talk. And have gotten to know these guys pretty well over the last few months as we've all just kind of adapted to the new world that we're living in specifically as it relates to the game of golf. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. We'll be right back after a word from our friends over at Ben Hogan. Today's episode is also brought to you by the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. No big hype, no big price, but definitely a big deal. Take advantage of their factory direct model where you cut out the middleman and get the best products shipped to your door direct from the company. They've got a demo program to try out their products before you buy, a trade-up program to get these clubs in your hands even quicker, and special financing where you can split your payment into four to make these clubs even more affordable. Go to BenHoganGolf.com to learn more. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Very excited to welcome on two friends of mine, formerly of the Lockdown Golf Podcast. They have since let that 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 pleasant podcast go out to pass. <laughs> uh, my friends Bill Bush and Chris McEwen. Bill Bush is also one of the creative minds behind uh, Driving Range Heroes, among many other things. And Chris McEwen has his own podcast, which I have been a guest on. I don't know if Bill has yet. We'll, we'll cover that, though. He won't uh, invite He won't invite me. <laughs> golf origin <laughs> stories which you can find on apple Podcasts, spotify and other places as well as other uh projects that the two of them work on together including their youtube show 
which uh, remind me again, uh, Bill, what is the YouTube show that you guys share on? That Range Life, a show oh, sometimes okay. about golf. It's been a little golf heavy lately. That's not um, it's not something we're known for. We, <laughs> we've been known to record an hour and a half long show and not talk about golf at all. But lately, man, they have been. It has been. Golf maybe, it's, maybe it's a good segue for you because you are a real golf show. Oh. Um, we we have been talking about a lot of golf to the point it almost makes me uncomfortable. Well, that's that's what we're going to talk about here today. And, you know, Chris, uh, you know, you certainly help out with many sites, including what the projects that you have. Uh, so really quick, we'll start with you for our listeners who might not be familiar with Chris McEwen. What are some of the side projects, things that you've worked with, including you've helped out uh, our friends over at the hackersparadise.com, right? Yeah. So I got to make the uh, it was probably the most fun, even though I, did, I don't I don't think I hit a ball that day, but it was the most fun I think I've had with a camera and forever but that was the day uh, <clears throat> i created the uh, trailer for um range days the thp series um with uh dan and um james, james yeah mm-hmm. and so got to run around with a couple different cameras flew a drone inside club champion god bless him for letting me do that um so i created that little thing and then i've got just a bunch of you know i have my own youtube channel um at chris McEwen that i do a bunch of stuff on that range life is one of them with bill with mr william and then uh the other the other project is just golf origin stories just talking to people about when they fell in love with golf why they love it um you've been on there uh dan edwards has been on there as well the uh i celebrated my 30th episode this week Woo-hoo. and so mm-hmm. i actually there's a on Spotify. if you're on spotify there's a soundtrack because i introduce every song or every episode with a song i uh i i made the uh soundtrack to the 30 episodes public so you can go and listen to adam's intro song my intro song but not bill's intro song that's unfortunate i think I mean, bill would be a fantastic <laughs> guest don't you think bill i mean if you would just invite me on the show one time geez i'm supposed <laughs> to be like actual friends with a guy and you know <laughs> Actual real life friends, I think, is the phrase. Right. I mean, I hang, I hang out with him in person during a coronavirus pandemic, and I can't even get on the show. Jeez, I know. If I had a nickel for every coronavirus pandemic that came through, I mean, <laughs> you, you you get to do that with it. Now, Bill, you, as I mentioned uh, in the intro, you're one of the creative minds behind Driving Range Heroes, a uh, great website that covers a lot of different ground. What are some of the topics that you guys usually cover? We do the gear review thing. Um, I like to think, I mean, who I feel like in this day and age, who doesn't do gear reviews of some sort? And so I don't, I don't sit and tell anybody that's like a big novel uh, differentiator with us. I think our secret sauce is that um, I don't really like reading a lot of gear reviews, and I don't like watching a lot of big long YouTube videos about them. Though I found a few recently that I'm like, ah, these guys do a pretty good job. So I'll just tip my cap to them that way. But one of the things I and I've, I've talked about this with a lot of people I don't really enjoy with gear reviews is how technical they get, how scientific they get, how, you know, I mean, you're you have a thousand words and you have no idea what you just read because it's too complicated. Um, Chris can attest to this. Many a barroom conversation with him in the city of Chicago after work about golf gear and the barroom conversation is entirely different, right? You you make all your points relatable. You aren't presenting a big scientific 
you know, doctor thesis thing mm-hmm. to make your point about why this club's more forgiving. You just, you know, a, a point might be, I don't know, man, this club just feels really good. It feels good. So I think conveying that to someone who's like, I want to know about this club and being, Hey, this club feels terrible or this club feels great. Maybe a little bit of here's why that's what we shoot to do with the gear reviews. That makes it, I think a little bit different. And then the rest of it's just, Oh, what, what interesting thing occurred on the golf course for me today? What weird mm-hmm. anecdote do I have for you? Or God knows what. I try to get a little bloggy about it without, again, either being very like, uh, I don't know what, I don't know how to put it, but putting myself up on a giant pedestal, like I'm a cool. big, important golf media guy. Listen to me. Not that everybody does that, but you get the point. And, or like, here's just another take on the history of Harding Park that everybody else posted this week. So uh, like this week I posted about a random barn find I had. I post, uh, you know, a lot of like, here's a weird paint fill trick I have. Try that sometime if you want. If it doesn't work, cool. Show me your picture of the disaster and I'll help you. So just random things that I find interesting about golf or that I think other people might find interesting. And I try to tell it to you in a relatable and conversational way. I think that that the the irony of Bill, the way that Bill presents gear reviews is that if he wanted to go, I've heard Bill go super in depth on technical parts. Like he, at the end of the day, William, you're a, you're a gear geek. Oh, horrible. Like you, (laughs) right. So, you know, the history of clubs and I mean, you've done it. You talk about the, the barn find that you did. It's a, their Mura, you know, um, replacements for the mirrors that you have because you did the research to find out what model you could match up. It's like this whole thing with it. Like it's, a, yeah. you know, so he knows he could, he, his, his technical waters run pretty deep with, with gear, but he, uh, he does a good job kind of uh, blending the two, I would say. I've noticed that about him. You know, we're talking about him now like he's not on the call. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm like, this never happens where you two have nice things to say to my face. This is fantastic. Yeah. I love, love you guys. <laughs> so it's funny, too, because I think what you guys have both just touched on in your respective intros to the work that you do is, you know, today's topic that I'd like to cover with you both. And we've had a lot of time to sit and think over the last five, six months, however long it's been. Uh, since we've all kind of been on lockdown and now it's been loosened up a little bit. Some places of the country are tightening back up again, but all along we've had the common thread of golf. And as I mentioned earlier, you guys started a podcast together to kind of, you know, help you get through that time called the lockdown golf podcast, which was, I very much enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> it's still but, out there. If people want to listen to it. Yeah, it's, it's, still, it's still available. The, the breadcrumbs are there. Uh, But I think, you know, what's really interesting, at least in my view, is how people not only on social, but even people I play with normally in my foursome have kind of shifted their understanding of what the game means to them, especially now for the longest time. And I believe, you know, Bill, for example, you mentioned something in a past conversation we've had about how really and Chris, you touched on this, too. It's really the only place where you could feel normal at a time when things aren't are anything but normal. Uh, Would you agree with that? Still that's, to this day, that's, that's where deep. that is deep. <laughs> that's what we do here. Yeah, right. <laughs> I can say I don't. I don't know. I don't know about Bill, but I certainly, um, especially in the early days, you know, when there were 
when we first were able to get back. I mean, you know, I, I took golf for granted. I played every weekend and then I couldn't play every weekend. And even though it was kind of early spring or whatever, but the first time out um, when it was twosomes every 15 minutes and even, even though it was me and a pal and you didn't see anyone else on the golf course, it's just like, it still felt like, okay, I can do this. And still like even last weekend when I went out and played, uh, you know, that's that it's, I forget about all the other things that are going on. And uh, yeah, my, my love for it and my appreciation for it has grown exponentially. Like I just really make a, I think before I would play it and I would play the game and concentrate on how I was playing or whatever. But now I, I find myself more often just sort of appreciating the walk, appreciating the outdoors, appreciating the escape, that kind of stuff. Bill, you're pretty similar. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I would say post having kids, I've always been, I haven't really taken it for granted and my approach to the games changed quite a bit. I don't, I really don't care about how I shoot. I mean, I want to hit good shots throughout my round, but if that means that it all came together and I shoot a 74, awesome. If it, if I have six really good shots and the rest of it's a disaster and I have a hundred and two, like that's fine too. I was still out. I was still out playing golf as opposed to not playing golf, but now even more so. Yeah. I mean, it, there was a point in the Chicagoland area where it's like, you can't leave your house. I mean, you can step right. in your front yard yeah. and that was it, but it's like, you go anywhere you're, I mean, just drive your car by a grocery store. You're going to get coronavirus, Right. So right. I think for me, it's just, it was further, further enforcing that thought to me and that I just being outside somewhere. And and this is where I said in the beginning, it's unfortunate. We, the golf industry needed to do it, but it, it was nice getting away from the every eight minute tee times, just backing up all over the place and having twosomes every yeah. 15 minutes and you're around, you could, if you could feel like you were out there for five hours and just had a whole day to yourself, even though you only played in three, because you could just take whatever pace you wanted. You didn't see many people and it's just not, it was quiet. Like it was, I think we talked about this, the group of us a while ago, like it was eerily quiet on the golf course. Yeah. And it was awesome. So I think just that like appreciating, this is getting a little deep, like appreciating the present moment and being, immersed in normalcy and like again not having to wear a mask not have you know picking up your golf ball and not being like oh i have to hand sanitize because i just touched something you know like it and even even to this day where i think our uh, our data would prove that we shouldn't be letting our our hair down per se but you know it, it's starting to feel so familiar and I, you know most of my golf i play is either with uh and it's been a while with any of the drive range heroes guys but like with chris or jrev or uh, you know, it's very easy to forget because it starts to feel so normal again. Like, wait, we're still in the middle of a pandemic and we need to treat it. We need to respect that boundary. Man, that's totally true. Yeah. Like, whatever. Hey, you know, Chris, uh, I'm going to go hop in your car and drive around with you or you, whatever. Right. You just yeah, feel like, oh, this is normal human er- interaction. And it it can, like, leave the golf course, too. Yeah. Like, like, no, stop Bill, stop spitting on me. Oh, sorry, Chris. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I've played enough golf at this point now that eventually when we can pull the pin, it's going to look weird. Like it's going to like, I'm so used to playing golf now with a, with the flag in. like, I don't know that I'll ever go back because it'll just feel odd. 
with a moldy pool noodle in the hole. Right. <laughs> yeah, like last weekend. It's so gross. Uh, like another flagstick growing out of the pool noodle <laughs> at the golf course. <laughs> What's worth the replicators? The infection you're going to get from this pool noodle. Right. <laughs> well, I, I agree with you guys. I mean, that's that's the four or five hours that you're on the golf course kind of gives you that reprieve from all the badness that we kind of talk about and we think about and we maybe try to avoid on the news and all that stuff. And, you know, it's, it's always interesting too, to kind of see how that filtered over into the pro game. And I know that you guys have covered this topic in, you know, extensively in, in your conversations uh, that's available everywhere. Um, Just how, first of all, the PGA tour, for example, responded to this whole situation and then, had to respond again because they didn't get it right the first time <laughs> yeah. and then still yeah. continue to respond to things. Although I think over the last couple months, maybe certainly within the last month, they've gotten things a little bit under control, I would say. I mean, looking uh, back at it, they really, they, yeah, they, there was, there was a hiccup, I would call it, but now, I mean, maybe baseball's put that in perspective True, because major league baseball has been like such a mess that they kind of, and they're not in a bubble necessarily right like um so they are kind of i think they were the first sport so there was the reaction that we all had to like oh this isn't gonna work right um but they've got to figure it out i i'm not gonna say they have it figured out because i one i just don't think it's possible but you you, they've done a really good job with it and but i also feel like it's almost tempting fate their model I mean, there is control there, but if you told me that all of a sudden Sunday at the PGA Championship, uh, 23 people came back with positive tests and all of a sudden, like, a you know, the bomb just dropped, it could happen in there. It could happen within their setup very easily, in my opinion. I do, the only thing I could think of is it's easier for them to control because they don't have to be, the when I say them, the players and whatnot. Because they aren't, they don't have to have a team of thirty-five people together with a support staff. Like they don't right. have to be in big groups. They can stay in small groups and then show up to the tournament. You know, where yeah. it's like the Cardinals had what thirteen? Was it thirteen players total, or is like thirteen players and six staff people Something in like one that. day come back positive? Right. It's just that Roy McIlroy doesn't have enough people following him around for that to happen. So. Maybe that yeah. is good. Maybe I take back what I just said. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's a good point. I mean, and for context, folks, obviously, you know, by the time of this recording, the PGA Championship tees off tomorrow. We're recording this on a Wednesday. And so when this gets released on Monday, we, we may have seen what happens. To your point, Bill, you know, we don't we don't know what's going to happen. And I think, you know, which is why I want to have this conversation today with you guys, because we're almost we're at the first major of the season already a weird season. All the big names have already kind of come out and played golf at least once for the most part. And now at the first major, this is really the first test. And so it's a little weird because we would have already seen whether or not they passed quote unquote that test by Monday, the time of this release. But do you guys think that, you know, even if that situation were to play out where let's say a considerable amount, whatever that definition means in your head, we'll just say 20 people. 20 people like an outbreak occurs at one of these events. What does that do to the sport? Does that re- does that change golf for the three of us at all in any way? Well, no, not for, I mean, I don't think it changes it for us from a technical standpoint, right? Because we don't play golf the way they play golf. 
like me showing up to a chorus is not the same as them showing up to a chorus and how they live. I park near Chris's Prius in the parking lot and <laughs> walk up to the first tee and that's it, you know, more or less. Whereas those guys have to see a million different people go in the locker room, check in here, there, grab their, all their supplies. And they have guys in a gear truck working on things and have to go through that whole like gear swap room. Now I forgot all the terms they're using for it. You know, we just don't have any of that. We just show up and walk over and play. So true. Um, from that perspective. And I, I gotta tell you, I'm in that, um, I have, I'll just say, I have some interesting thoughts about golf and golf culture and PGA and all that. And uh, but if that bomb were to drop, it would surprise me zero, and I'd be like, "These guys were playing with fire the whole time." Yeah, I'm not surprised this happened, but it's happening in other sports, so like I'm not judging them for it. So, I think, um, I mean, that's that's worst case, right? I mean, really, worst case would be, you know, this weekend. Justin Thomas is is in the run and a positive test shows up. Right. So how does the, how do they, how would they handle that? Would they, cause they've had, right. you know, they had a couple of people that were still testing positive because of the weird thing that this virus does and the weird way the tests work. Um, and they put them in their own group. So could we have a major champion that is mm. quarantined coming up the 18th green, you know, where he's playing by himself or, or, you know, with no, they're not. Else. They're not. Uh, they said they weren't doing that anymore. Really? If you, if oh, you is were, that right? You're, yeah, you're in that post ten day, uh, no symptoms or whatever. I I don't remember the exact. Okay, criteria. so if you still you, so they test you if you're no symptoms, you're negative, basically. Yeah, yeah basically, like you cross okay. a ten day threshold, and you're allowed. Basically, if you were allowed to play in those isolated groups before, now they won't isolate you because apparently the science shows you're fine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, well, that makes sense, I guess, and plus it's better for them. So once you test positive on a whatever on a Wednesday or test negative on a Wednesday, you're clear. Right. Right. (laughs) And to your point though, too, Chris is they had that situation with the, um, what was it? The, uh, the Barbasol, wasn't it? No, that's right. No, it was last last weekend. And there was a bear. It wasn't the Barracuda. Barracuda, Barracuda. Yeah. Brendan Grace was tied for second, either going into Saturday or Sunday or something. It was Sunday. Maybe I, Let's just yeah, say he, for dramatic effect, it was Sunday going into the last <laughs> round to win. No, but it was like he was in contention. running up to him and said, hold yeah, on. He was making the turn on yeah. Sunday. <laughs> and it's basically what happened. And they're like, you're positive. And he, all right, well, I withdraw. Yeah. No. Yeah. Could you imagine? And, and Chris, I guess to your point, though, I mean, is that what it's going to take? Not to say that we they haven't been taking it serious. Maybe not serious enough. I think that's open for opinion. And I think the three of us share that opinion. But. Um, will it take a big name, so to speak, for them to, to for that to send ripples through, or something massively changes, like Justin Thomas, for example? Yeah, it would be a, it. It would be fascinating. I don't think. I think the PGA Tour would would kind of um, just wait out the storm. There'd be a huge influx of Twitter and stories written, and it would make all sorts of news. Um, that so-and-so tested positive and couldn't finish his, you know, his round when he was five up or whatever. But I don't think, I don't think sports as a, I mean, look at baseball, baseball's not going away and they, they are a mess, yeah. but I think, I think P, the PGA tour is going to finish out the season 
regardless of, you know, unless the whole country, I mean, you know, the whole country has to go into lockdown again and whatever, but in terms of where we are today, if it continues at this rate, um, I think they play it out. I don't think anything stops them from playing at this point. I think you have one play. All right, Justin Thomas is in the lead. He gets coronavirus. He can't. He can't finish. Weather the storm. Totally agree. I think the only thing that makes them go, oh god, we have a big thing is, well, Sunday rolls around. Justin Thomas is positive. Rory's positive. Hideki's positive. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood's positive, and the list goes on and on. They're like, geez, we just had. 22 or 10 to 22 big medium and small names all come back positive mm-hmm. we we had an outbreak here though i mean as i say it out loud i was pretty certain in this of, of this thought of mine while you were talking chris but now i'm hearing it out loud i'm like i don't know if they would i don't i don't know wouldn't. if even like 10 would. to 20 people would be damaging enough no right. i don't think so what i don't if, think so and, and and i think you guys are right um you know i wonder though if like a name if there was, you know, if Tiger, if Tiger came down with it or tested positive, even not in the hunt, clearly he's going to bring eyeballs, especially now when there are no fans for the most part allowed. There are some people on st- on site, of course, but when we all rely on television so much right now, and if he's not in, I mean, I would think I would I would think that most people would tune out if he couldn't play if he withdrew. Yeah, that'd be that again. It'd be interesting to see how that was how that was managed. I think the um, you know uh, the bigger sort of outcome would be if someone someone you know somewhat famous got sick and they didn't die, but they weren't going to play golf anymore, right? So you have these survivors that um, that are not the same once they come out of it. Would that change the conversation to? You know, we we're seeing real in real time now some some um, like on Tiger Woods. I got coronavirus so bad where I'm alive, I can live out my life. Like this was a you know dagger in the coffin. I just I can't nail in the coffin. That's the expression people use. (laughs) (laughs) This is the nail coffins you're using, Bill. You put daggers in coffins. Listen, I live in a dark world. You know this. (laughs) Um, Nail in the coffin for my career. I like I it just did so much damage to me. I can't play like that. Right. Yeah. And obviously or not even tiger. Some say it's John Rahm or say it's some young up and coming Tommy Fleetwood or someone that, you know, they, they lose their lung capacity to the point where like, I, I can't walk a golf course four days in a row anymore. I have to retire. And then does that, I just wonder if that would change the conversation. That's a I good point. It, I, I mean, think it depends I, on the name personally. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think it does depend on the name and you know i I realize you know listeners i know we're we're talking about some pretty morbid stuff for the most part but (laughs) yeah sorry everybody welcome welcome to ruin the show (laughs) welcome to day 80 of the lockdown golf podcast yeah we're happy to have you we got we are getting pretty uh pretty unfiltered at this (laughs) you know it's funny too though it's not funny but it's interesting to think how just the commentary around the game has changed as well. You know, I think about just, we're all pretty active or at least active viewers of social media. Um, you know, we've, we've <laughs> laughed a lot about just the various ways that I get myself into trouble on social, but also how, you know, we all kind of interact and all that. But I would say, I don't know if you guys agree that the the way that golf has even talked about these days has, has shifted a little bit where it's almost like, 
it's almost like people are are trying so hard to get back to something other than talking about the coronavirus or anything political or anything sure. like that. Yep. To where it's like, oh my God, here's this one thing that happened. Let's all jump on it and just really make a mess of it. <laughs> That's my interpretation of it. I don't know how you guys feel. I enjoy those, you know, Bill usually kind of, he does the Homer Simpson into the bushes kind of thing. When, uh, when people start to bicker on Twitter, I embrace those because I think, again, like you're saying, it's, it's a distraction from the rest of Twitter. And at the end of the day, like, you know, if we're arguing about um, if you should be wearing your hat backwards or not, or tucking your shirt in or distance, you know, like, that's that's golf Twitter, man. We do that once a quarter at least, right? It just feels like it's normal it's again. It's every day. I think that's my thing. It's I just like I hate arguing politics. I hate arguing religion. You know, all but the distance, the but distance and dress code are golf politics, man. No, that's and like, I get it. No I winner. Hate, no one ever moves or changes positions. It I is just what it hate is. Go on. the way, especially in social, like more like, let's be honest. It's also a, a case of social media, which is, it's funny because it's so important to what we do in this golf media game. We all play. Um, right. I hate the way golf. Let's just say golf Twitter, but internet golf people argue it's, it's like, <laughs> it's just so bad. And it's so, and, Chris, I give you credit, even if I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you wasting your time? I, I think you have a certain sort of, I don't want to say laissez-faire necessarily approach to it, but uh, the spirit is okay. It's these guys where, I mean, it is life or death. You know, like they're disagreeing on abortion beliefs. And you're like, <laughs> like to Chris's point, you're talking Jeez. about wearing a hat backwards. Right. Or is your shirt untucked when you walk into the locker room? Right, right. Like relax and see to me, like relax. I love a good debate. Like I love to debate, um, but they're not good get, debates. That's my problem. They're but not it, even but good debates. But now you can't even like before back in the day, right? You could debate political policy. You could debate those kind. Of, you can't do that anymore. Like no. people are entrenched in their beliefs, and they're not going to change. And and people like they, you know, it's so whatever. Anyways, but you can to me, anyways, what I've experienced. I, I can have a debate with JB or Dan or, you know, those guys about distance or about um, dress code or whatever. And it's not like, you know, they're going to unfollow me or block me or whatever else because we do it. I don't know. Just we have our, here's what I think. And we go back and forth and it, I don't know, like it takes up everyone's feed and everyone else is probably annoyed. But at the, you know, at the end of the day, JB and I are texting back and forth, joking about something entirely different. So it's, I don't know. It just seems like it's a, it's another distraction and a fun way to argue. Yeah. Well, <laughs> can you, can you, you name drop for me one more time? <laughs> one more time. Sure. I got, I, no, no, Homer no, Simpson. I got, <laughs> I was going to name drop some clubs I got today, but I wouldn't nice. do that. So here's the other thing about that too. I mean, let's just pull the curtain back a little bit further. Here's what happens. And this is how I see social being these days is that everyone will go ahead and, it's almost like the town square where everyone kind of goes into their own little corner. They kind of talk about it a little bit via group text <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. And then, then you send it out there. <laughs> what happened? It was like, oh my God, did you see what happened and all this? So that, that's what happens. And it, Jesus, I think everyone that it. is our relationship, the three of us. <laughs> that is it right there. Yeah. The number, you know, I'll tell you what, if, uh, and I am as guilty of this as anybody else, and I'm sure that I've been the victim of this and I don't even know it, but the amount of screenshots that occur 
on on especially on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, if Twitter ever came up with a feature where that like was you were able to see who did that, right? The yeah, world right. load. Yep. Yeah. You know, it, it, so anyway, I mean, that, I that, would wear that as a badge if I had the most screenshots shared. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah. Look how dumb people, other people think I am. Yeah, right. They're screen sharing. You're like, look at this idiot. Can we take a quick tangent to that point on like what you can and can't see on Twitter? Sure. And I, I, I love it the most on golf Twitter. Not so much, you know, like my quote unquote personal feed. It's all sorts of random things. I expect to see all sorts of weird stuff. But I love on golf Twitter where you, especially where so many of the people can get a little holier than thou. But, you know, it'll be like some random porn tweet shows up in your feed and it's because one of your like holier than thou golf followers liked it. And you're like, yeah, you know, it's a one-off thing. It happens. But then you start seeing it on a regular basis where you're just like, I don't think, I don't think you know how Twitter works. I don't <laughs> think you know. <laughs> so I'm like going through all this, like you get golf nerd topic, golf nerd topic up, Adam starting trouble again. And Oh, some, well, I'm censoring. I, I won't go too in depth. Some porn content <laughs> at big golf, big righteous golf guy liked to this tweet, and you're like, oh boy. I love how you frame it as porn content. <laughs> I don't know. It's not my show. He's <laughs> such a he's such a golf he's such a golf content guy that he thinks everything is X content. Like yeah, you know, like it's golf yep. content. Porn like, content. Oh, oh, Bill's a really big fan of Stormy Daniels all of a sudden. I'm not sure <laughs> I should have said Stormy Daniels. It probably would have been a safe one to make the point given uh, the last four years. Yeah. Call her. yeah. 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 No, Man, this was locked on golf podcast. It would have been much more graphic. You know that. <laughs> no, I understand. Yeah. We got, we, we have sponsors to answer to Bill. Jesus. Um, right. Right. <laughs> so, uh, no, that, that's, that's fair. Uh, both of you bring up some good points, you know, and I think, um, Maybe it does just get back to people wanting that distraction, like we talked about earlier, um, some sense of normalcy. I do feel that, you know, not to tiptoe into something that can easily turn into a debate that I don't want to get into. But, you know, people are always looking for the mistake. People are always mm. looking for the thing to kill, to, you know, not to kill, but to maybe in the figurative way. Right. You know, the virtual uh, way, virtual way. And. I think that's that's really unfortunate because what I do notice in my feed these days, and again, I'm probably as guilty of it as anybody, there's a lot of, wow, this just isn't good enough, or they did this the wrong way, or, wow, I can't believe that coverage is this, you know, can we please just stop complaining about coverage, first of all, on golf Twitter for crying out loud, all the producers, apparently, the executive producers that are not hired, that are on my Twitter feed every day. It's it's mind boggling. I mean, uh, I don't it, know, man. It's pretty bad lately, but I, I won't get into the debate. <laughs> so I don't know about coverage. I wish they would. Um, well, this is a good. So this is, I guess this is. A, well, first of all, to to your point, Adam, complaining gets you clicks and bagging on people gets you clicks. Right. I mean, people don't want to read a, a, a bunch of sunny reviews. They want to read the one like Richard Roper. His most read Roger e, Roger Ebert. His most read uh, movie reviews are the one star movie reviews. They right. want to people want to read someone going scorched earth on something. Um, but it, then you get when you get the when you get to Twitter though, it's like yeah, like you're saying, everyone's an executive producer, and um, I mean we've all been to golf tournaments. You see the way those cameramen are hauling ass 
mm-hmm. trying to get to the next shot and everything else. Like it's a hard thing to do. Oh, that get, stuff. That stuff. There's no issue. I'm, I'm but that's the going. that's the show more shots argument, right? Like, right. The, I okay. I get. There's a lot of ads. Whatever. My bigger issue is, can we be a little more creative uh, for the people that are beyond, behind the mics? That's what I was going to say. Do some things from that perspective. We're going to get rid of two favorites, albeit on the older side. One favorite. One favorite. I'm keep one of them. Regardless, the golf (laughs) world had they they had their likes. They had you know their enemies. Either way, people like these two guys, right? And said we're going to refresh our broadcast and you know kind of revitalize a little bit. And all they did was bring in more elder people. Right. Now I think I can't remember Adam. Maybe we've co- Chris and I have covered this with you. Big fan, all around fan of Amanda Balionis. Yeah, same. She is upbeat, great attitude. Ask good, and I like again, kind of like I don't want to say bar room. I don't want to downplay her that much, but it's like her con- her interviews are very conversational, very natural, mm-hmm. and it is refreshing. Now I do think you don't get rid of the the. You know Jim Nance and Nick Faldo. You keep them, but you're like there are way there. There are a lot of I'll say younger, upbeat, good attitude broadcasters. I don't think are that great. They get too much time on air. But like, go get us more Amanda Balionises. Go get us. Go get us some guy in the Corn Fairy Tour who only gets a few starts and will you know he has a great here. Never mind. We won't go down that line. Get Shane Bacon going. Let's go. Yeah. And I know, I know not everybody loves him either, but it's like there are young that would refresh your broadcast, not going, you know what? Davis Love the Third is exactly what we need to pump some life into this. <laughs> yeah, that was ne- those are words that have never been spoken ever. <laughs> By the way, that's it. That is my only criticism of the broadcast. And I, I, I agree with the commercial one, but you're never going to win that one. Mm-hmm. But that, like, I get you show the shots that you can show, especially right now with fewer people on set. But my God. This is let's be honest of what demographic we're appealing to with these broadcasts and then wonder why the common the common TV watcher doesn't find it interesting. See, but I think they're coming, man. Like this game is this game is on the up, you know, upswing. Everyone there's a lot more people playing it now. Like now's the time you can take advantage of it and get more Amanda more Amanda Balionis is on it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I mean, that's that's true. I think, uh, Chris, you're right. The the game is shifting a little bit, which really kind of you know fits in nicely with with this conversation and topic. I mean, Bill, you are 100 percent correct that there is a certain uh, viewer that they're always catering to, and they have been for decades, and they probably will continue to at some point. But I also feel like there is this shift where people want to be more inclusive, and they understand that they have to regardless of whatever beliefs you may have, that's where media is going. And Mm -hmm. that's what people want to see. And so I think the example of Amanda Bellionis, who is extremely good at what she does, you know, she also has that, that demographic and that, that viewpoint and, and persona, not only on TV, but also in social media, by the way. Why Mm -hmm. aren't they putting Alexandra Laughlin in bigger and bigger roles? Like she's very good too. She is. She very is, much is, you know, and Shane Bacon, I, I very much like, I think he's, he's very good. And I do know that all these people probably have their critics too, like you said, but the point being, and I think it's well-made is let's get these voices out there. I think Jim Nance staple will be there until for as for long sure. as he wants. For sure. Nick Faldo, you know, he does what he does. He's a good complimentary to, uh, or a good compliment to, to Jim. 
Nance. I'm not going to say Jim like we're on a first name basis here, but <laughs> uh, Mr. Nance, Mr. Mr. Nance. I call him Nancy when we're when it's just him and me because that's like you know <laughs> yeah. thing to do. Good deal. Like, it's a good hockey nickname. When you guys are reminiscing of over, over old Pearl Jam albums, and that's just, right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Jim Nance, huge Pearl Jam guy. <laughs> he's a real. He's a real. He's a rail rider. I don't know if you know that about Jim Nance, but he's <laughs> always he's, he's, he camps out and he's right up front watching Ed. Personally, I, I'm lobbying for let's get uh, Chris McEwen out of his day job and get him on CBS Golf Broadcast. I think that's a good sure a good petition. We can we can why not? Looks like he's hitting a seven iron, Chris. That's a fairway wood. <laughs> <laughs> oh my bad i couldn't see oh geez well folks i know that we're uh we're running out of time here and once again that's bill bush and chris McHugh and two friends of mine who uh, agreed to come on uh, on relatively short notice as well so i appreciate that fellas um we, we never have anything going on man that's fine that's fair you know it's i good. just gonna say anything for you adam unfiltered anything for you <laughs> that's true well, uh, so you can find them all over the internets the interwebs at various places and we talked about all that at the beginning um, you know, before I let you guys go, uh, where does golf go from here as far as and interpret that question however you want? You can either focus on the professional game, you can focus on the amateur game, um, and I will go to both of you for your answers. And what I'm thinking about is, you know, do we finish out the season? Do we, as amateur players, does anything change for us? What do you guys think for between now and the end of 2020 where this game goes? Because it's as we said at the beginning, sales are booming. The industry is doing very well, which is surprising. Uh, but then again, for the longest time, golf was the only thing you could do <laughs> right? In a, in a lot of areas. So where, where do we end up? Does golf come out, I guess, to rephrase all of that, does golf come out of this better than it started let, at the beginning? Let me go first. Because I ahead, thought go. about this, and then I don't know if you saw that my headphones fell out. and I saw uh, it. But it fits in. And I was going to more pose this question, but I, I, I'm confident in this. Golf for us will continue as is. I think golf gear will continue to do fairly well. I, I, Chris and I have talked about this before. I think the, quote, middle tier value stuff is really going to thrive. People who aren't looking to spend $1,000 on a set of irons, but still like, hey, I'm back into golf. I want to get something cool. The problem might be finding them. Go to jarvinshields.com. Maybe that'll help you. Um, <laughs> but I'm confident in, I am confident in one major thing for the like whole big golf umbrella. I am confident that golf, the pejorative term, will not take advantage of the, of the situation. This is golf's chance. You know, we've been hearing about declining numbers for how many years. And then people are like, oh, it's not true. And, Whatever it might be, now's the time where people, man, the golf industry could really strike and open the game back up, get courses back open that have been closed. And I'm not going to say build new ones because that's not possible, but increase participation. And somehow, as a whole, we'll find a way to not do that. Mm. I well, disagree. Oh, there you go. I hope, I hope you're right. <laughs> I hope you are. Yeah, I'm much more hopeful than you are. I think... Um, I think we're already seeing it. If you look around at golf courses now, the, maybe the demographic was already changing. Uh, maybe this just kind of uh, amplified it a little bit more or, or fast-tracked it. But I think Bill's 100% right. I think the, um, the direct-to-consumer model will be much bigger 
this year and hitting, heading into uh, into next year. Um, because I, I do think as people get into the game, they're going to look for quality, um, but at a price. I mean, there's a lot of people that are changing jobs, don't have jobs, those kinds of things, and they're going to look for something cheap. And I think that market is going to, to see um, an uptick. I, I don't, you know, I, again, we talk about, um, decorum on the golf course and stuff. I don't think golf has a choice. I think it, I think the way that millennials operate, they're just going like, they just take things over, man. And so you're going to start seeing more. You're, you're already see, start to hear more music on a golf course than we ever, ever have. And I think that's part of the demographic changing. I think you're going to see, um, a lot, a, a younger demographic. And I are, I know I've seen tons more people walking. I think people have left mm-hmm. golf courts, golf carts behind quite a bit um, when we couldn't use them. And they, you know, we joked about um, our friendly golf pro, our friendly neighborhood golf pro. He told me a story that during the lockdown when we couldn't use carts, like people were using strollers and people <laughs> were using like all kinds of different things to give have their clubs. And I think people are still, I still see a lot more walking than I do riders. Maybe, I mean, maybe it's just the golf courses I'm going to, but I think those might be the changes that stick. I agree with you, and I just I just thought when you were describing, um, sir, this is a Wendy's. You you can't. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I that those are very good thoughts on both of you by both of you, and um, that's why we bring him on the show, folks. That was completely planned to have <laughs> and then the insight that was going to be offered, because I think in many ways you're both right. I think um, we're going to see probably professional golf want to get back or maintain things that have quote unquote always worked for them as opposed to being more progressive. But Chris, to your point, I think golf itself from the opposite side is becoming more progressive, whether the governing bodies want it or not. So on that happy note, I want to thank both of you for coming on to join for this uh, conversation. Very insightful. And I promise we'll do it again in the future. Thanks, man. Thank you. It's fun to be on. It was a pleasure as always.